0: Welcome to the Graceway Bible Church Podcast, a place to be immersed in teaching from God's Word. We hope you will be blessed by our sermon series, Difference Makers, Women Chosen by God. Learn with us about how often overlooked women make a difference in the world around them through the power of God. Find out more about this or any of our sermons at www.gracewaybc.org. Join us now as we dive into God's Word. Rahab is uh, <clears throat> kind of, in some ways, a rather unique person in Scripture, and uh, she she comes to us as a prostitute that the Lord redeemed, and a, a wonderful uh, treasure of God's mercy and God's grace, a woman of faith, and it was by that faith that uh our God saved her. And so there's a wonderful message in there for each one here today. No one is too low, no one is too sinful, no one is too uh, lost that God cannot save him or her. And we often think of, of uh, the Old Testament saints and the Old Testament uh, heroes of the faith as being these great examples of, uh, <clears throat> of religiosity and sainthood. But actually, when we study our Bibles, we really see that things are not quite that way and that they were people just like you and me, even as James reminds us of, of Elijah, who was a man just like you and I. But he prayed, and he had faith, and God used him. And God changed him and made him into a a vessel of grace and mercy in which his spirit dwelt, as he does with each one who calls out in him in true faith. And it reminds me of uh, something today that that, uh, has kind of been on my mind a lot, and that is the idea of what is a Christian or who is a Christian. And we go through our day, and in many ways, we don't suffer for the name Christian. In fact, I, I, I'm not sure what, what the uh, latest uh, count is in our country, in the USA, but I'm sure there's, there's a, a large number of people who call themselves Christian, and so as Christians in this country, under the title of Christian, we have it pretty easy, and even this morning as we come together and we worship and we spend this time around the Word, we don't have to cower in fear and worry about uh, being assaulted by the authorities. That day may some someday come, but it's not certainly upon us right now. We praise God for that, but part of the reason is, is because there is a, a uh, an idea of a generic Christian, if you know what I mean. A Christian who simply uh, assents to the doctrines of the faith, maybe not all of them, but some of them. A Christian who maybe goes to church once in a while, a Christian who says he believes in Christ, and yet his life does not represent that. His life isn't changed. He, he maybe says things and does things uh, that fall under the category of being a Christian, but he himself is really not a Christian. God hasn't worked in his... God has not changed him. God has not given him a new heart. And unfortunately, that's the way it is with many in our country today, many who attend church are Christians in name only. I call them generic Christians. And then there's the the uh, the fellow that came to our to our ministry a couple weeks ago. We had a plumbing problem, and in the process of, of clearing out this this main drain at, uh, on our property there at Commission on Compassion, I got talking with him, and he started opening up about all these ideas, conspiracy theories, and about the Third Reich being very active, and that uh, uh, he, he, he went on about uh, clones, and how Tom Hanks, the actor, is, yeah died a long time ago, he's just a clone, <laughs> and he's gone on about uh, <clears throat> uh, the president, President Biden, he's really not alive, he's, just, he's a robot that the Democrats have put there, but then, in the midst of all of this, he says uh, something about reading the Bible, and he says, "I'm a Christian," and of course that raised raised a, a red flag, and and, uh, and you know I, I tried to share with him some of what I what I believed and what the Bible teaches, but he was so caught up in his his ideas and his conspiracy theories and so on. But to him, he was a Christian, because he says he believes the Bible. And yet his life does not represent that. There was a lot of, uh, his language was laced with uh, a lot of inappropriate adjectives and so on. And uh, it was clear to me he was not a believer. And I think when we come to the story of Rahab, we see what is true faith compared to what is false faith? Because many in the world today, they, they live under the deception of being a Christian, but they're not. And they exercise what we might call a false faith. And there may even be some here this morning worshiping with us that fall in that category. And my prayer is that if that's true, that you really come to understand by the end of the hour today what it means to be a genuine Christian. Because it's not just simply making assent a, a or affirmation to certain doctrines of the faith, recognizing that Christ lived and died and rose again the third day, that these are all historical facts. It's not simply that. It's really so much more. And we can only find the answer to true faith by turning to the Word. Oftentimes the television preachers, the uh, uh, Ones that are on the radio, not so much, but more on television. They give a representation of Christianity that is so corrupted and so false. And they're there mainly because of greed. They're not there to exalt the God of the Bible, not our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, but they're there to fill their pocket and to fill their coffers. And they'll request offerings, and then they take those offerings and and use them for their own personal gain. And the Bible warns us about such people. They are truly false teachers in our midst today. And we have to be very careful. We have to be very discerning as believers, who we listen to and, and uh, what we read and what we watch on TV. But as we turn <clears throat> to the, to the uh, story of Rahab, which I invite you to look at in Joshua chapter 2, we get a better idea of what is true faith as opposed to a, a fake faith let's say a faith that is is really just a, a, a false representation you know there were some things that Christ said that that turned his followers away Christ himself said that I am the way, the truth, and the life. And if he stopped there, we'd all be fine with that. The world would embrace him. But he went on to say, no man comes to the Father but by me. And if you shared your faith with others, you realize many people are turned off by the, the second part of that verse. No man comes to the Father but by me. You mean the Muslims will not be in heaven? You mean the uh <clears throat> Whatever uh, cult or false religion you want to look to, you mean they're never going to find? Well, only through Jesus Christ will they they find eternal life. And he went on and he said, Search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify me. And you will not come to me that you might have life. That's kind of a hard thing to hear. And yet it is a rebuke to the pride and the false perception that the Pharisees had of who the Savior was. In Luke 9.23, he said to them all, if any man come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Again, it's, it's a challenge that the Christian life is not just simply a walk in the park. It's not just an affirmation of certain doctrines and creeds, but it's a daily daily effort that we must put forth in following Christ. It's a daily discipline, a spiritual discipline. Matthew 2.17, he says, When Jesus heard of it, he said unto them, They that are whole have no need of the physician, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. repentant. Many people are offended by the term sinner today, and they don't want to hear you make a reference to sin and the fact that your sin was so great and grievous before God that Christ had to suffer on the cross in order to secure our redemption. In Matthew 7, 21, he says, Not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that does the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Didn't he say those that prophesy in my name? Those that cast out devils, they sound like wonderful spiritual work. But the works of deception, because they're not done for the honor and glory of God. And they're not done under the power of the Spirit of God. They're done more out of greed. They're done more out of a work of deception. And he says, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. So, what does it mean to be a genuine Christian? What does it mean to have genuine saving faith? I think we find the answer to that in Joshua chapter two. As we we look at uh, the chapter, we remember its context: that Moses has died, and in chapter one of of Joshua. Joshua is the new leader of the people of Israel. He is called to a great task, not an easy task. And the Lord reminds him, the only way you will be successful, the only way you will be successful in this task is to be obedient to my word, is to meditate upon my word, to know my word and to do it. And Joshua 1, chapter Or chapter 1 and and verse 6, he says, Be strong and of a good courage, for unto this people shalt shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swore unto their fathers to give them. Then he says, Only be strong and very courageous, that you may say, that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses and my my servant commanded. And in verse 8 he says, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, and thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. It kind of brings back to me uh, memories of what the psalmist wrote in Psalm 1. Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But His delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law does he meditate day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season. Its leaf shall not wither, and whatsoever he does shall prosper. And so if Joshua was to prosper against his enemies, if he was going to have success in confronting the Canaanite and Receiving the promised land, it was only going to be done as he focused on God and his word and was obedient to it. And a similar command or a similar instruction comes to us through the words of Christ. That those who do his will, those who believe and not only believe but do, will be blessed and will be <clears throat> Uh, of his family. So let's look at at chapter 2, and I want to go through the whole chapter quickly, just reading to bring, uh, refresh our minds of this account that probably we all have uh, read before. And Joshua the son of Nun sent out of Shittim two men to spy secretly, saying, Go, view the land, even Jericho. And they went and came into a harlot's house named Rahab, and they lodged there. And it was told the king of Jericho, saying, Behold, there came men here tonight of the children of Israel to search out the country. And the king of Jericho sent to Rahab, saying, Bring forth the men that are come to thee, which are entered into your house. For they are come to search out all the country. And the woman, the prostitute, took the two men and hid them and said thus, There came men to me, but I do not know from where they came. And it came to pass about the time of the shutting of the gate, when it was dark, that the men went out. And where the men went, I do not know. But pursue after them quickly for you to overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof of the house and hid them with the stalks of flax, which she had laid in order upon the roof. And the men pursued after them, And the way to Jordan unto the fords. And as soon as they who pursued after them were gone, they shut the gate. And before they were laid down, she came up unto them upon the roof. And she said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land and that your terror is fallen upon us. And that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea. And when you came, out of Egypt and that you did unto to the two kings of the Amorites that were on the other side of the Jordan Sihon and Og whom you utterly destroyed and as soon as we had heard these things our hearts did melt neither did there remain any more courage in any man because of you for the Lord your God he is God in heaven above and in earth beneath now therefore I pray I pray that you swear unto me by the Lord since I have shown you kindness that you will also show kindness unto my father's house and give me a true token, and that you will save alive my father, my mother, and my brother and my sisters, and all that they have, and deliver our lives from the from death. And the men answered her, "Our life for yours, if you utter not this our business. And it shall be when the Lord has given us the land, that we will deal kindly and truly with you." Then she let them down by a cord through the window from her house for her house was upon the town wall and she dwelt upon the, the wall and she said unto them get to the mountains lest the pursuers meet you and hide yourselves there for 3 days until the pursuers are returned and afterwards may you may go your way and the men said unto her we will be blameless of this oath which you have made us swear behold when we come into the land Thou shalt, find, thou shalt bind this line of scarlet cord in the window, which you did let us down by. And you shall bring thy father and thy mother and thy brethren and all thy father's household home unto you. And it shall be that whoever shall go out of the doors of thy house into the street, his blood shall be upon his head, and we will be guiltless. And whoever shall be within the house, his blood will be upon our head. Will, his blood shall be on our head, if any hand be upon him. And if thou utter this our business, then we will be done of this oath, which you have made us to swear. And she said, according to all your words, so be it. And she sent them away and departed, and she bound the scarlet cord in the window. And they went and came unto the mountain, and abode there three days until the pursuers were returned. And the pursuers sought them throughout all the way, but found them not. So the two men returned and descended from the mountain and passed over and came to Joshua the son of Nun, and told him all the things that befell them. And they said to Joshua, Truly the Lord has delivered into our hands all the land, for even all the inhabitants of the country do faint because of us. And now let's look at at chapter 6, at the the conclusion of this account, where we read in verse 21. And they utterly destroyed all that was in the city, both man and woman, young and old, ox and sheep and ass with the edge of the sword. But Joshua had said unto the two men that had spied out their country. Go into the harlot's house and bring out thence the woman and all that she has, as you swore unto her. And the young men that were spies went in and brought out Rahab and her father and her mother and her brother and all that she had. And they brought out all her kindred and left them without the camp of Israel. And they burnt the city with fire and all that was therein, only the silver and the gold and the vessels of brass and of iron they put into the treasury of the house of the Lord. And Joshua saved Rahab, the heart of the lie, and her father's household, and all that she had. And she dwelt in Israel even to this day, because she had hid the messengers which Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. And Joshua adjured them at the time, saying, Cursed be the man before the Lord that rises up and builds the city Jericho. He shall lay the foundation thereof in his firstborn, and in his youngest son shall he set up the gates of it. So the Lord was with Joshua, and his fame was noised throughout all the country. Let's pray. Father, again, we thank you for your word. Thank you for the opportunity to take a few minutes this morning and consider what you would say to us. May your spirit have free course in our hearts and our minds to to do and to lead us as you so desire. We pray, Lord, that our will would be submissive to you in all things. Again, we thank you for the word, the precious word that we hold in our hands, Lord, and may we (coughs) be submissive to it and obedient to it. In Jesus' name, amen. So returning back to Joshua chapter 2, we see Rahab first introduced to us as a a woman of the world. Basically, she was a sinner, if anyone was a sinner in Jericho. The Canaanites were idolaters, and we can be sure that that was part of Rahab's uh, spirituality, to worship the the heathen idols of the Canaanites, that sometimes even required child sacrifice. But not only was she an idolater, but she was also a prostitute. And it was her means of livelihood. So her sin was was a professional sin, we might say. And yet, she was the one, out of all the people in in, uh, Jericho, that accepted the spies that day. And it was only because God moved in her heart and God worked in her heart, we can be sure, that she had that welcome to these spies that came from Israel. And it's interesting that uh, it says in... Let me see here. In verse 4, it says, The woman took the two men and hid them. And in doing so... She put her own life in pearl. And that we see is one of her initial steps of faith. She took the woman and she hid them at the pearl of her own life because certainly had she been uh, discovered as one who was hiding the spies of Israel who were ready to to attack the city, they would have not shown any mercy on her. And then we, we we go on, and we see too that uh, in verse nine she says, "I know that the Lord has given you the land, and that your terror is fallen upon us, and that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you." Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. We read in Romans 10:17. Now, the word of God at this point in time was limited to the five books of the Pentateuch. But the acts of God had a tremendous effect on Rahab. It was not something that she just recoiled from and tried to to hide from. But rather, we see here that she doesn't try to mitigate what the Israelites are doing or what God is doing through the Israelites. Rather, she's accepting it, and she says... I know that the Lord has given you the land and that your terror is fallen upon us and that all the inhabitants of the Lord faint because of you. And then in verse 10, For we have heard, for we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you and when you came out of Egypt. And so this was something that happened 40 years earlier. And that record was still ringing in the ears of Rahab, and she says, "We have heard how the Lord has dried up the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt, and that you did unto the two kings of the what you did to the two kings of the Amorites. Those two kings were vile kings, powerful kings, and they would not let Israel when in their wanderings in the in the wilderness they would not let Israel pass through their land. And Israel defeated them." by God's grace, and certainly through God's power. But it was something that the surrounding peoples could not comprehend. How could this wandering people in the desert uh, take over these two great kings, Sihon and Og? But they utterly destroyed them, the scriptures tell us. And it was because the hand of God was with Israel, of course, but that she, she having heard that, she remembered that, and it impressed upon her, who was the God of the Israelites? Who was the God of, the, of these people? And she says, as soon as we heard these things, our hearts did melt, and neither did there remain any more courage in any man because of you, for the Lord your God, He is God in heaven above. And in earth beneath. And now the Israelites are camped on the other side of the Jordan. And they're ready to move in and take the city of Jericho. And God is going to divide the waters in a similar fashion as He divided the waters of the Red Sea. He's going to divide the waters of the Jordan River and bring the people through miraculously once again. And so Rahab seems to have come to a a clear conclusion that the God of the Israelites is the true God, not the idols of the Canaanites, and that he is the one that we better bow down to. He is the one that we better worship. She says, our hearts didn't melt, neither did there remain any more courage in any man because of you. And then she comes to this very revealing statement and conclusion to all this, for the Lord your God, he is God, in heaven above and in earth beneath. And what she says before that phrase, she says, our hearts did melt. I'm assuming the whole city of Jericho feared the Israelites at this point in time, knowing that they were just on the other side of the Jordan. But all the city did not Arrive at the same conclusion. All the city did not say, for the Lord your God, He is God in heaven above and in earth beneath. Only one woman made that confession, and that was Rahab. And that was the confession of her faith. That was the the the, <clears throat> the reality, the expression of her being a genuine believer. I know, she says. <clears throat> Uh, first she says, we have heard, in verse 10. In verse 9, she says, I know that the Lord has given you the land. And then, in verse 11, for the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and in earth beneath. A pretty bold confession for one who is a prostitute, one who's pro- whose profession is basically a profession, a sinful profession, one who has been raised to be an idol worshiper and lives among idol worshipers. One who has heard very little apart from these these acts of God among his people, one who said very very little about the true God. But with that little bit of knowledge, she took a step of faith and believed even to putting her own life in peril. She, she not only put her, her life in peril in, in receiving receiving the spies, but she did it when she lied to the king, the, the king's henchman. Again, if she had been caught lying, it would have been the end of her. But she lied, it's kind of strange to say it, but it actually was an act of faith that she lied to those who were seeking out the spies and not that she had to lie we understand that god doesn't need a lie to accomplish his purposes but in god's grace he worked with rahab she shows her faith also when she <clears throat> let the man escape through a cord lowered down from a window in the wall again Had that been observed by anyone and had it been reported, Rahab was putting her life on the line. And uh, when she reached out to her family, because we are told that she, she brought her brother, her mother, her father, her sisters, all of that into the house on the day of the attack so that they might be saved, all this was a great act of faith and all of it was a demonstration of what she believed. She was not simply making an empty affirmation that she agreed with what Israel said about their God, but rather it was an expression of living faith. And then we're told in Joshua 6 and verse 23 that when she was delivered, when the spies went in and brought out her family and saved her and her family, that they put her in the outer camp of Israel. And I imagine that was a bit humbling. But she had, and she had to be there, and her family had to be in that outer camp for a time, as were the, the regulations concerning purification. But here is a Gentile woman, a Canaanite woman, submitting herself to all of this because, simply because of her faith. She didn't have any ulterior motive, but simply that she believed in the God of Israel. And she believed that he had the power to deliver her and deliver her family. And so there is, in in one sense, her faith saved her physically from the destruction of Jericho. But also we realize that her faith saved her unto the saving of her soul. So let's go to to James and chapter 2. Because James, as we think of uh, the Apostle James being the half-brother of the Lord, he's the apostle of faith, we might say. You think of uh, John, the writer of the Gospel John, as the apostle of love, and yet when we come to James, we see that James' big thing is faith. But it Initially it looks like his big thing is works and actually that's why why Luther didn't want to accept didn't want to accept the book of James because he thought James was all about how to get to God through good works. But really it, James is not writing about good works versus faith. He's really writing about false faith versus true faith. And again, we come back to that, that idea of a generic Christian. Many people are generic Christians in our world today because they practice a false faith, a shallow faith, not a faith that's anchored in the truth. Many people have faith, but that faith is not based upon truth. And so in James chapter 2, <clears throat> James brings up two examples. He brings up Abraham in verse 21, but then in verse 23, he says, Likewise also was not Rahab the harlot justified by works when she had received the messengers and had sent them out another way? For as a body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead. Rahab's faith justified her before God. Rahab's Simple faith justified her before God, but the outworking of that faith was shown in all that she did for the spies and all that she submitted to in believing that their God was the one true God. And that faith was represented by her work. So James is saying our faith we, we, we read in, in Genesis uh, six, 15, six, I believe it is, Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him for righteousness. So also, Rahab believed God, and it was counted to her for righteousness. But James is saying that righteousness has its outworking in her actions, in her works. Not that her works were first <clears throat> what led her to God, but it was her faith. And God, taking that faith, worked out in her the good works. Paul tells us in Philippians, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. It's not because we're going to lose our salvation, but maybe because we're not truly saved. And we need to truly examine our own hearts and see where we are in this walk of faith. Do we truly allow our faith to be expressed in our works. Or do we put our works first and say, so now God will accept me. No, it's simply by our faith that God accepts us. And as he works in through us, our works give testimony to what we believe. And James goes on to say, it's 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 such a contrast, the generic Christian from the true Christian, it's the dead works of a generic Christian from that, of a true Christian. And so, in the, in the life of Rahab, we see one who God redeemed out of a life of sin. And a career of sin, actually. And then, when James speaks prior of Abraham, we see one who God redeemed out of a life of, of following him and walking with him. But James says in verse 25, likewise also was not a, a, a Rahab, the harlot, justified. And so I challenge each one of you, and I myself, that we examine our hearts on a regular basis, and we do not get caught up in a false sense of spirituality, and that we daily confirm in our hearts, and our walk, that we are God's children we are walking with him. I in him and he in me is what one of the hymn writers uh, wrote <clears throat> many years ago. I just want to uh, close now with a, if you could put that, that uh, PowerPoint up, John, please. Just a, a simple illustration This is kind of a cycle. We read in in Romans 1:17 that we go from faith to faith, and the just shall live by faith. It doesn't mean our works are not important. It's just that the works are not the basis of our salvation; they're the fruit of our salvation. And it begins by hearing the word of God, and that is followed by faith. And if you hear the word of God but you're not moved to believe, we need to cry out, as did. Uh, the man in in, uh, the life of, in Christ's ministry, I believe, Lord, help my unbelief. But we go from faith, and that faith leads us to conviction and repentance. And then God transforming us, giving us a new life, giving us the indwelling Holy Spirit. God produces good works in us and those works please God. Hebrews 11.6 six says that without faith it is impossible. It is impossible to please God. He doesn't say without good works. That's not even the issue. But he says without faith it is impossible to please God. So if you are here this morning and you've never taken that step to believe and trust in Christ simply because you realize you're a sinner, you realize that you have nothing with which to, to merit yourself before God. Then you trust him today. And you ask God to work in your life. And you repent of your sin. You recognize that his finished work on the cross is sufficient for you. And you recognize, as Rahab did, that he indeed is God Almighty, that he is the Lord of heaven and earth. And with that... Uh, I just challenge you, and let let us uh, close with prayer. Father, again, we do thank you for what we learn from the, the people in Scripture, Lord, the saints that you've put before us, recorded for all eternity. You've told us that heaven and earth will pass away, but your word will never pass away. And we thank you for that wonderful promise, Lord, and we pray that we might be more and more rooted in Your Word and for, uh, focused upon Your Word and upon Your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we thank You, Lord, for all that You will do and are doing, in Jesus' name, Amen. Thank you for sharing in this message. We pray it will make a difference in your life. Please consider joining us for our Sunday morning and evening worship services. For location and more information, visit our website, www.gracewaybc.org, and listen next time to learn more. May the God of peace richly bless you through his Son, Jesus Christ.